Adultslands. This is episode nine of Oddly Adulting, which I'm not sure qualifies as a new podcast anymore because of the sheer volume of work <laughs> that I've put out into the universe. But it still feels relatively new uh, when I do things like try and figure out why I sound like I'm recording in a tunnel. And I remember that it's because I didn't choose which audio input and I have to start from scratch. But those little hiccups aside, um, here we are again. Here I am again in the carport closet studio. It's the typical evening time slot. I've got two kids in bed and um, my husband and our middle daughter um, went flying tonight and so they are still not home yet. So probably there will be a slight interruption when they pull up um, because someone's face I'm sure will appear in the window. But um, it's fun that they got to go and do that. Um, My husband was able to get his private pilot's license um, just a little over two years ago. It took him about, I think it was about four, it was between four and six months, which I think is pretty average um, for him to do that. He um, had an instructor here at our local um, county airport. I don't know what you call it, municipal airport, county airport. I don't know. Anyway. He is a private pilot and he does not get to go flying all that often because we are not high rollers yet. (laughs) We do not own a plane, but he does get the opportunity. He tries to go about once a month and um, there's a rented, there's a rental plane that he can block out some time for. And so he decided to go, he was going to go yesterday and it was um, sort of a funny story. He didn't, it was kind of like a false start situation. He didn't end up getting to go. Um, so he rescheduled for tonight. And at the last second, our middle daughter was like, can I go? And he was like, okay, sure. Let's go. So they ran out the door at about six 30 and I'm expecting them home any minute now, but I, um, am really excited. This, this episode marks a hallmark moment in the history of oddly adulting. So hopefully someday I can, look back on this and remember that episode nine was, um, a special moment in time because I have my first official producer. Yay. Okay. Now you're probably like, what are you talking about? Um, especially if you're confused because I called Chris my producer. So technically I I have two producers. Okay. So we'll, I'll, I'll back that train up and I'll say, I have two producers. One of them like is happens to be sort of a default producer because I completely rely on him to be the one to get my podcast published. And he's kind of already gotten credit for that. But this week, just a day or two ago, um, in between me recording episode eight and tonight, I gained my very first donation toward the podcast. And, um, I'm going to explain to you how that makes this person a producer. So, uh, you have heard me mention the podcast, no agenda as being, um, my favorite podcast. And one of the, um, uh, reasons why I had any clue of like how to do podcasting is because of listening to that podcast and the two, um, guys being very like 
informative about the podcasting process and what it takes to produce a podcast. Just, they're very, it's so easy for them to explain it. And there's my family. They've just pulled up. I'm giving them the wave. Hello, welcome home. I'll come tuck you in in a little bit. <laughs> um, I love the fact that my kids still want me to tuck them in. They're 11, 9, and 6, and they still, like, even the other night, I think, I think it was when I was recording, I got a little, or maybe it was right afterwards, there was a face in the window, and it was my youngest, and she was like, I can't fall asleep until you tuck me in. So, anyway, um... I love that we still have that dynamic going. I hope it never stops. Um, but anyway, no agenda. The guys, Adam and John, are extremely, like, easy to understand when they explain how podcasting works. And so I've learned a lot just by listening to their podcast. And one of the things that they, from the beginning of their podcast, determined was that in order for them to be able to do the kind of show that they wanted to do, they did not want to ever pursue any type of official, um, sponsorships. Um, most podcasts in order to be published or on the air or whatever you want to call it produced, they require some sort of, you know, monetary, um, backer because podcasting is, this is something I've learned since starting my podcast it is not free as far as like, it is free to listen to podcasts. If you are listening through a free platform, which that's how I listen to my podcasts is, um, just, I just hit the podcast app on my iPhone and search. And that's how I listen to them. And there's multiple different ways you can do it. You can do it through an app. You can do it through, um, the online, like you can go straight to a podcast website and just listen to it straight off the website. But what we, what Chris and I learned when we started getting it together to produce this thing is that first you have to buy your equipment. That really wasn't that expensive. That's like the hobby, you know, hobby cost. But then you have to host it. You actually have to buy a domain name. And of course, every year you have to maintain that domain name, which again, not expensive um, on the outset. But then what we found out was that if your podcast starts, so every time someone listens to your podcast, no matter what avenue they're listening to it, it has to be downloaded off of the website where it is being hosted. So I have oddlyadulting.com and that's where, that's the, the website that hosts my podcast. So if I go onto my Apple phone and I hit the Apple podcast app, the app actually downloads the podcast onto my phone and then I can listen to it. I'm not streaming it live. It's like been, it's been downloaded off of the host website. I really hope I'm explaining this properly because it's going to be super embarrassing if I'm not, (laughs) but this is, this is as far as I understand it, which granted I am not an expert in this. So please let me know if I'm explaining this wrong. I'm sure my husband will school me on it after he listens to this episode, but, um, So basically the apps and the whatnots, they download it off of the hosting website. So that's cool, right? Well, guess what happens? If you get a lot of listeners, the website is like, yo, you owe us more money because there's a lot of traffic coming off this website. So when you buy your domain name and when you start hosting your website, you have to tell them like, I expect to have this much traffic and then you pay on like a scale. Okay. So (laughs) obviously when we got the domain set up to host the podcast, we chose like the smallest one because I I had no idea would anyone even listen to it. 
would it just be me listening to it, you know, um, to make sure that it turned out okay or that the sound quality was good. And um, amazingly, enough people have listened to it and that, I mean, I, I can imagine now that maybe someday that hosting website would come back to us and say, hey, you need to pay for more bandwidth because, you know, you got a lot of people listening. That day has not arrived, just to be clear. <laughs> but it could happen. So anyway, that brings me to what is a producer? So with the No Agenda podcast, as I referenced before, Adam and John determined early in the process that they didn't want to have to have corporate sponsorships because ultimately they wanted to be able to say whatever they wanted to say. And if you have sponsors, just like if you have advertisers, um, if they don't like what you're saying, they'll, you know, they'll stop advertising or they'll stop sponsoring. So because they wanted to just be uncensored and unfettered and just free to say whatever they wanted to say, they decided that rather than having sponsorships, they were going to institute what they called the value for value network. And basically value for value just means that if you are listening to the podcast and you found that it held some amount of value for you, they just ask that whatever value you can ascribe to it, that you give back to the podcast in some form of support. So three main ways that they get support for their podcast. And, and via these three ways, they call their listeners, their producers, because it takes everybody's involvement and engagement to keep their podcast going. So one of the ways is that people can, um, create art for them to use as their show, um, like album art. So that when you, you know, when you search for it in the podcast app, that's the image that you see that goes along with the podcast and they change their album art for every single episode. That's one of the things that they discovered that they could do because they had all these people sending them art files. And so they decided, Hey, let's change our art for every single episode. So that's one way people help them produce their show. The other way is that people will, (laughs) they will make these like ridiculous jingles They'll write songs and they'll come up with like goofy audio files that have something to do with something that was discussed in the episode, which if you haven't listened for, like when I started listening to it, it took me probably, I would say a solid six weeks of listening because they only produce two shows a week. Um, Like a solid six weeks of listening before I really felt like I got it. Like most of the stuff that they were talking about, there's a lot of inside jokes. There's a lot of these hilarious jingles that people have provided for them. And there's stuff that you just, you really have to listen for a while in order to catch on to what is this whole, what is this whole thing, you know, that they have going on this whole system or whatever. And then obviously the third way that someone can support the podcast and help produce the podcast is by offering monetary support. And so all they did was they set up a PayPal account and they, um, got a PO box and they said, if you want to send us money, you can send us a check to the PO box or you can send us a donation on PayPal. And so they have been able to keep their podcast alive for 11 years using this method. And I think that they, I mean, I really, I'm just taking them at their word, but they said that they created this idea that this was their, this was their idea and they named it the value for value network. And so they will have people, they have people who, um, apparently there's some guy who gives only, he gives two cents a month or two cents an episode or something, which they pointed out, like after PayPal takes their fees, it's actually zero. But anyway, they have somebody that gives as little as two cents. 
which I think is funny, right? He's giving his two cents, you know, but um, ching, <laughs> um, all the way up to there are people who give like, they'll throw a thousand dollars their way randomly. It's crazy, and so every episode that they have, um, they have two two segments. Their episode, their episodes are long. They're over two hours. They have two segments where they do call outs. They do shout outs to their producers and they call, if you give over $300, they call you an executive producer. If you give between 100 and 300, they call you an associate executive producer. And then if you give between 50 and a hundred dollars, they call you a producer and they give you a name shout out. And then if you give less than $20 or sorry, less than $50, you are kept anonymous. And so, um, I used to skip through those sections of the podcast because it was like, okay, I don't understand all these, like people will send in notes and stuff that they'll read on the air. And, but then, like I said, after I was listening for a while, it became really funny and entertaining to listen to these notes that people will send them. Um, and people will call out like, you know, my brother has never donated to the podcast, you know? And so they'll, it's funny. It's all in good humor. And really, it um, it just speaks to the fact that John and Adam are producing something of value, basically. So um, I'm going to admit, I'm going to go ahead and throw myself under the bus here um, or whatever. I have never donated to the show. But starting today, I'm going to donate a portion of my first donation to their show to show them that like I give, I'm giving them all the credit for this idea. And um, I hope to be a better and more faithful donor to their show after seeing that the Value for Value Network thing actually works. So all that to say, I got my first donation this week and it completely caught me off guard. Um, I got 20 bucks and the person that it came from makes it especially special because she's family and she didn't have to give me any money. <laughs> like She has to listen to me talk you know, for free at, um, family events and stuff. So Christy, I would just like to thank you so much for the $20 that you sent me totally unsolicited because I haven't even mentioned this on the podcast yet. It's, there's a button on my website, but it hadn't even come up and I just wanted to say thank you. And Christy sent me $20 through my PayPal and she said her, um, her message through the, through the PayPal app was that she was looking forward to more podcasts. And I mean, I got to admit y'all, like I got a little bit of dust in my eye when I saw that email come through. So Christy, thank you so much. And thank you for listening. Because like I said, you totally don't have to, because you're usually, I mean, you have to listen to me when we get together for family events and stuff. So I appreciate you so much. You are my first official non-Chris producer. <laughs> So thank you for that. If that sounds like something, you know, that you're interested in doing, if you're someone else out there who's listening and this whole idea of value for value sounds interesting to you, you know, you can go to the website, you can read about, I have a little blurb about it on the donate page. You can shoot me some money through PayPal. If you want my address, I guess I might give it to you if you wanted to mail me a check. I don't know. I might do that. Send me an email. We'll talk about it. Um, but yes, that was an exciting milestone to meet in this week of the podcast. So moving on from that, which is exciting in and of itself, I wanted to talk about, hold on, I've got like a, I have like a gnat situation. Thankfully, no more cotton-eyed Joe. Fingers crossed, knock on wood. Um, 
I decided this week I wanted to talk about, or this day, not this week, because I've already done one this week. On this day, I wanted to talk about something that, um, oh man, I am so annoyed. I had the best idea. I was going to bring my, I was going to bring something in here to use as a sound, as a special sound effect. You know what? I'm going to hit stop and I'm going to go get it because it's too good. Hold on. Be right back. And I'm back and I'm being upstaged by a train. (laughs) Perfect timing. Okay. But I'm back and I have my special sound effect. (laughs) Okay. So, um, I didn't look at the calendar, but I know that we are now in the, just about to hit the last quarter of the year. Right. And so what does that mean is looming upon us upon the horizon? Yep, you guessed it. Oh, I wonder if that's really loud. Sleigh bells, y'all. Christmas is coming. Uh, It's probably only like 10 weeks away. No, no, no. Maybe not that few. 10, 12 weeks. Anyway, Christmas is coming. And um, I don't know if it's as hard for you as it is for me to feel inspired about gifts sometimes. But sometimes I feel like I've done it all. You know, I've already given every gift I could ever imagine and there's nothing new under the sun. I can't think of anything new or original to give someone. And like my budget is not huge. You know, I'm not to the point in my life where I can give like really exorbitant, awesome gifts. Um, so This idea is something that has been such a great, fun, budget conscious type gift giving strategy, I guess. No, strategy is not really the right word. System, uh, tradition. Anyway, I want to tell you about the swaps, the gift swaps that me and a group of friends started doing a bunch of years ago. So I know you've heard me tell you that I have a group of friends that I've been friends with for, I guess it's been 12 years. It'll be, it's been, yeah, it's been 12 years since I met a group of people online. I did. I met them online. I met them in a chat room, like before smartphones, y'all, but, but after AOL. Okay. So we're not talking about AOL. (laughs) That's really dating me. I know. Um, by the way, what was your AOL name? I would love to hear this. My AOL name was go lightly girl because my favorite movie in high school was breakfast at Tiffany's and the main character's name was Holly go lightly. So when I like, when we got dial up at my house and I was like, man, I can put AOL instant messenger on and I can sit there for 10 minutes and wait for it to dial up and then I can chat with people. It was such a high stakes moment trying to decide your AOL name. And I remember really like, I really struggled over it because I really wanted it to be unique, you know. Anyway, go lightly girl. That was me. You know, holla if you were my friend back in the, in the AOL days. Anyway, I met some friends online about 12 years ago. And, um, we, we all met because we had something in common. We were all due to have babies in November of 2007. 
And a good number of us, um, probably the majority of us were having our first babies. And so we were incredibly naive, incredibly ignorant about everything that having babies, pregnancy, birth, all of those things entails. And so we started chatting in this online chat group, um, through a website and we have managed to stay friends all of these years. And so several years into our, um, group friendship, somebody, and I, I'm pretty sure her name was Emily. I'm pretty sure it was one of the Emily's. Um, somebody came up with or heard about or found out about. Anyway, she introduced us to the idea of a swap that we called the 12 days of Christmas. And, um, the idea was, I think we might have done, I think we might've done another, like a gift swap before we had, I think we had done like a secret Santa type of thing, you know, where it's just one-to-one, like one person, you know, you pull a name out of a hat and not one person gives that other person a gift. Like we're all familiar with that. Duh. Um, but Emily, I'm going to say it was Emily. Emily, I think it was you. You can have the credit. Emily introduced us to the idea of something called the 12 days of Christmas. And this was, and still is one of my favorite things to do. And we have done multiple iterations, which I'll tell you, I'll tell you about, um, three in particular that we did, but this very first one was, it was called the 12 days of Christmas and it worked out perfectly because I think there was two groups of 12. So there was 24 people total that wanted to do this swap. And so we broke up into two groups of 12 and this is how it worked. We even created a blog for ourselves so that we, because this was back before the, this was like pre group text type days. This was pre, I don't think we had a Facebook group or anything. So we created a blog for ourselves so that we could post on the blog, the stuff that we had received. Anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself. The 12 days of Christmas. This is how it works. You have a group of 12 people. Each person has, is assigned a day. So we'll pretend like I was day one. I wasn't, thank God, because that would have been so stressful to be the first thing that people were going to open. But anyway, I digress. Every person is assigned a day. Okay. And we had a, um, price limit, probably it was pretty low, you know, because you're having to, like I said, I'm getting ahead of myself again, but we had, there was a price limit. We'll say it was $5. Okay. And what you did was you bought 11 identical or you, or made, that was the other cool thing. You could make it, you could buy it. It was totally up to you. 11 identical gifts that you mailed out to the 11 people that were going to receive them. And we had a mailing date that was way ahead of when the first day of Christmas was going to be. Okay. So let's pretend like we were going to start on December 1st. Our mail date was, you know, like November 20th or something. Basically you got your 11 identical gifts together and you mailed them out to your people. And on the assigned day, so if you were day number one, you had to write on your package, the outside of your package. I think we might've even tried to keep it a secret, like who was day number one. So maybe we didn't even put our names on the, um, return address. I don't quite remember, but you had your number on the outside of the package. And so everybody together on day one opened their gift from person number one. And 
so went every single day. So on day one, you opened the gift from the person who was number one. And then number two, day two, number three, day three, so on and so forth. And the only day you didn't open a gift was obviously the day that was your day. So if I was day number one, I didn't have a gift to open on that day. But you know what? I got to love in others. And giving a gift is more fun than receiving one most of the time anyway, right? It was so fun, especially that first round of gifts like that first round of 12 days of Christmas because we had never done it before. And it was so awesome to be, we called it happy mail, you you know, to be getting happy mail. And you never knew, you know, like some people were really early. They sent their stuff way early and you'd have this little gift and it was just like burning a hole in your pocket or on your desk or whatever, because you were just dying to open it. And if you got like, I think one year somebody sent, you know, their day 12 gift was like the first one in the mail. And you thought, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to stare at this thing for like two weeks before I get to open it and find out what's in there. Anyway, it was so awesome and so fun and so addictive that we kept it going. And we've done several different iterations of it. So that very first one, though, we called it, it was the 12 days of Christmas. And we had a blog and we had group one and group two because we had two full groups of 12 people that wanted to participate. And every day the blog post would go live because the person, like if I was, we, we designated one, but there was one, one willing soul who was willing to have all of her surprises spoiled for her. She was a very generous soul. Actually, I was really jealous because I hate surprises. And so I would have loved to know what everybody was getting way ahead of time. But I didn't know how to do blogging. So I didn't, I couldn't volunteer for that position. But um, so we all emailed her pictures of the thing we were mailing out. And then our little explanation of like, I picked this or I made this, you know, for this reason. And we got some super neat stuff. Like I remember one person made, um, pear, pear jelly from pear trees in her backyard. Like how cool. She also paid a fortune in shipping. (laughs) So if you, if you like the idea of this gift exchange, just one of the lessons we learned from that first one was like, consider ahead of time, how much will it cost me to ship this thing? We also learned that if you were shipping something that was a weird size, like a square box, that was a lot more expensive than other stuff. So we had to get really creative and we got really spectacularly good at kind of finding the like, you know, the perfect combination of hitting the budget, you know, hitting the shipping target, that kind of stuff. Oh, one person, one year, I don't know if it was the same year or another time we did it. She mailed um, that Garrett's popcorn mix that is the cheddar cheese and the caramel corn mixed together. Now you can buy it in gigantic bags from Costco, but this was years ago. She actually went into the city in Chicago, bought it from the actual Garrett store, packaged it up and mailed it to everybody. It was so cool. So there have been, there have been so many things like I wouldn't, I could sit here and talk for an hour about all the cool things that people found to do, especially because we're, we're all over the U S. So you're getting stuff from people who are in, you know, Florida, Chicago, um, Illinois, California, you know, wherever, all over the place. So because we loved it so much, we kept it going. And we've done, like I said, we have done multiple, multiple iterations of it. So, but the first and the most memorable to me was that, that very first 12 days of Christmas because it was so brand new. And it was so fun to get Christmas presents from 
you know, other adults and like moms. Cause once you kind of enter the parent arena, your Christmas gifts, you know, you have to like, Oh, thank you so much. That was so great. You know, I love this thing you picked out for me. It might be something completely random and whatever. So it was really, it was really fun to, it's always been really fun to get gifts from, you know, like-minded folks. So the first one was the 12 days of Christmas. We also, I think one time did, we did a 12 days of Christmas, but we had, we had 26 people. So we did 13 days of Christmas and you got to open 12 gifts because you know, your one day that you didn't get to open gifts was basically like your 13th day. All right. So then at some point in the, um, swapping and we called each other swappies. Okay. In the swapping of gifts, um, journey. Then we did a new iteration, a new play on the 12 days of Christmas. And we did a favorite things swap. And the favorite things swap was super fun because, (coughs) excuse me, my throat's getting dry. One moment. The favorite things swap was fun because we set the price limit super low. It was like three bucks. You could only spend three bucks on each item. Cause of course you were still buying 12 of them, you know, so you're still like, you're still going to spend like 40 bucks at just buying the stuff or making them. And, but this time the, the, the flip was that you were sending everybody something that was one of your favorite things. So this was a real, like, you really had to kind of think on it because you're like, what, what is something that is my favorite, you know, that I use like every day or that I can't live without, or that's, you know, a fa- anyway, it was a favorite, your favorite thing. That was the theme. Okay. And so my favorite thing that I sent to my group of people, um, and this is something that I have had the same one since I was in high school. When I was in high school, I think it was for my birthday one year, my friend, whose name started with an S um, I highly doubt he listens to this podcast, but just in case he doesn't want his name on blast, um, I will say his name started with S. He gave me what I thought was the coolest little nifty gadget that I had seen in a long time. And it's a little keychain that it you um, you kind of hold it. You have to hold it in your hand kind of like a syringe because it has this push, this plunger action that basically when you press the top of it, the bottom of it disengages and the bottom thing is the thing that you put your key on. So you put your house key. Well, that's what I put on mine. I put my house key on the thing. And so it has been, I use it. I mean, I'm, I'm not joking when I say I feel like I use it every single day still. Okay. I've had it for 19 years, you guys, (laughs) 19 years. And I use it every single day. But this little keychain with the detachable key end is literally one of my favorite things because tell me how often this happens to you. You get in the car, especially if you have kids, right? You get in the car, the car is cranked, you're ready to go, you know, you're throwing it in reverse and that's when you remember that you left the library books inside or the coffee cup or the whatever you were supposed to be remembering to take to someone, you know. It happens, like I said, it happens to me, I mean, almost every day. And then you have to put it in park. 
Then you have to turn the car off. Then you have to carry your whole thing of keys back to the door. No, not if you have one of these nifty cool keychain thingies. In fact, you know what? I'll try and find these keychain thingies. I'm sure I bought them on Amazon. I will try to find them and I will put a link to them in the show notes. And this reminds me, I'm also going to put a link to the daily journal um, that is the one that I journal in that I, that is the same as what my grandma had. I'm going to put that in the show notes from last episode because I already had one person specifically reach out to me and say, where do you, where do you buy this thing? It sounds like the format that I'm looking for. Okay. So back to the thing. The, so my favorite thing was this little keychain, the detachable key keychain thingy. Um, some of the stuff that I remember receiving in that swap was somebody's favorite, lip balm. I think they sent Eos lip balms. Um, favorite fuzzy socks, um, favorite candy, um, favorite. Anyway, that one was really fun. It was really fun. It was fun both to try and think of something that would be really, you know, unique, um, and hit the budget and then getting it, getting a glimpse into, it was a personalized gift, you know, from everybody. And I remember my mom telling me one time when I was growing up that the best gift to give is the gift you would give yourself. And even though I think that maybe doesn't necessarily always hold true, like if you're into some really crazy stuff, like maybe someone else doesn't want to get, you know, uh, like, well, okay. My oldest daughter's favorite sweatshirt right now is a Darth Vader sweatshirt that when you press the mask, it makes the noise. (laughs) Okay. So maybe don't gift those, but she loved receiving that gift. So uh, maybe do, I don't know, but think about the person that's going to receive the gift, I guess. That's the point I'm making. So anyway, we did the 12 days of, we still did it around Christmas too. I think we did the 12 days of Christmas and we did a favorite thing swap. And I know for sure that another time we did the 12 days of Christmas and we did an ornament swap. Um, so that one has played itself out in many multiple iterations and I have enjoyed it every single time. The other way, the other one that we did, and this one we had to do a little bit differently because we, we recognized at the beginning of it that since we were going to be creating the actual thing that we probably couldn't, like it would be probably pretty difficult to do 12 of them. So I think we did fewer this particular time, but to do a different spinoff of having a group of people and sending them something, we did, um, an artist trading card swap, which before this swap was suggested, I had never heard of artist trading cards, but they were really, really fun. So basically artist trading cards are just, they're, um, they're like baseball card size and you can do, I mean, they come in a multiple, I mean, it's multiple media format. You could make, you could make your artist trading card out of anything from like cardstock, um, you know, balsa wood. I think someone did. Um, I know someone did a felt square as their artist trading card. Another person, um, took, art and cut it down to that size and then embellished it. But we each made little miniature card sized works of art and sent them to our group of people. And I, the ones that, what I did was I, um, I bought little artist trading card sized canvas 
not canvases, um, paper, like art paper. And I painted, I used to paint, um, I used to take oil painting classes. <coughs> Excuse me. The Michaels store in the town, one town over from where I grew up, had painting classes on Saturdays, like the Bob Ross method painting classes um, from 10 to 1230. And for a good number of years, I'd say at least three years, my mom dutifully dropped me off at Michael's every morning, picked me up in the afternoon. And then when I started driving, I started driving myself to art class. And I was one of the youngest people in the class because everybody else in the class were retirees. <laughs> but me and another friend of mine, we started taking the classes together and it was hysterical. It was so funny. Our teacher who is now, he's passed away many years ago. His name was Don, And he taught us all how to paint in the in the Bob Ross painting method. And we had such a good time. So the only art that I really felt qualified to do on an artist trading card was oil painting, which was what I bit off way more than I could chew. I think I had to make six of them. And I decided that I was going to make six different ones, not even make six of the same thing so that I didn't even master one painting and do it like five more times. Anyway, it was such um, it was such a labor of love, but also fun. And maybe the people like them. I'm sure they did. I'm sure they said nice things, even if they didn't like them. But the only one I really remember very specifically was I did um, a Gerber daisy on one of them. And I did it like a close up, not so it the whole daisy couldn't see the whole daisy, but the daisy, it was like a zoom in. It took up the whole card. That was the only one I really remember specifically. So between the 12 days of Christmas, the favorite things and the artist trading cards, those are three of probably limitless, I really think there's probably limitless ways to do this type of a swap. And it's super fun to do it with people that you're mailing stuff to because who doesn't love getting mail? I mean, you know, it's not just for toddlers watching Blue's Clues, <laughs> right? <laughs> mail time is exciting, even as an adult. Even when half of what you're getting is bills, I still get excited to go to the mailbox every day. Um, in fact, me and my kids argue over who gets to go to the mailbox because everybody wants to check the mail. So getting happy mail is super fun, but even doing it in person can be fun. And the way that I have done this with people in person is like one time I threw a birthday party for, um, my best friend, Jess, and she, um, we, I had everybody bring their favorite thing. And then because she would have been like horrified to that everybody brought a gift for a swap and then she didn't have one. I bought stuff that I felt pretty confident was one of her favorite things. And I wrapped them up so that, so she had favorite things to give to other people too. So that was really fun. That was like, we did it in a small group setting. And then, um, last year I threw a Christmas party with my Bible study friends and we got together and we did a favorite things swap, but we did it, um, more like a white elephant gift type thing where everybody brought a favorite thing and it was wrapped up. We didn't put our names on it. We just put them all on my hearth and then we pick, um, you know, we each pulled a number from the hat and then we each picked one and then you could steal and stuff. So anyway, I am, I'm excited that Christmas is coming and I'm hoping Hint, hint, ladies. I'm hoping that somebody from my online mama's group is listening and gets excited about wanting to organize a swap this year. Because we always have to have, there has to be somebody that will, um, you know, do the, 
do the spreadsheet. We got to have one person that does the spreadsheeter. So real quick before I sign off, I want to read out. I asked my friends to tell me what were some of their favorite things that they got in the swap. So here are the favorites straight from their mouths. Allison said, the super cool ornament I got in a 2008 swap, I keep it on my dresser. And it is a, it's, the person took a, um, a ball, you know, like a, one of those balls that has the thread wrapped around it. And then they printed off pictures of her daughter and cut them into tiny circles and then used little bitty push pins and decorated the whole ball, the whole ornament with all of these little pictures of her daughter. It is so cute. Also, she got an infinity scarf and she wears it all the time in the winter. She said, the favorite thing I made was the cross stitch ornaments I made for a 12 day swap in 2011. First cross stitch I did. And this reminds me that Allison's ornament that we received in the ornament swap was one of my favorites. It was one of those ones that looks like skates and they're attached together by a ribbon. So you hang the little pair of skates and they're made out of felt. And then a, um, a paper clip is the skate runner that hangs on the branch with the little ribbon between them. So cute. I look forward to getting it out every year. I said that my favorite thing I gave was the detachable key holder. And my most beloved and used received gift was a quilt. Someone gave me a quilt one year. We did a one-to-one gift swap and she made me a whole quilt. And I, I love it. I mean, I we jokingly call it the family member because it goes with us everywhere. If we're going on a car trip, my quilt comes with me. Um, the next one... One of our Emily's said, Anna introduced me to Essie nail polish, which I am now obsessed with. I'm actually wearing the shade she gave me from one of our swaps. Same Emily said, I also put each and every Christmas ornament that I've ever gotten from a swap on my tree every year. And several of us chimed in that they do the same. And I said, I even made the artist card, the artist trading card swap things into ornaments and I hang them on my tree too. Um, Melanie said, I need to look back, but I definitely use the amazing rainbow felt ball trivet Stephanie gave me last year, pretty much every day. I remember that thing. It was so cool. It was like a hot pad made out of felt balls. And Amelia said, I loved the artist trading card swap we did. I turned mine into a pencil holder in my sewing area. And Megan said, my students now do artist trading cards every other year. And I show them the ones that I received. And I said, that is a great spinoff. What a good idea. I am never creative enough to think of stuff like that. Beth said, I loved the favorite things tiny swap. It was so much fun to open all the little things and they were all pretty practical and fun. A long time ago, one of them gave me a painted rock and an embroidered flower sack towel. It was just after my grandpa died and it was just thoughtful. I still use the towel today. I love putting the gifts together. It's so fun to plan for it. Um, let's see. Anna said, swaps have brought EOS, not EOS, good grief, EOS, chapstick into my life and infinity scarves. And I have a knitted and felted bowl that sits on my nightstand and catches my odds and ends. Now here is straight from the Emily who I, like I said, I'm giving this Emily all the credit for the swap. So y'all ladies correct me if I was wrong about that. She says, and she has such a way with words. So this will be a great way for me to end this in this and sign off on this. She said, gosh, I have just loved the spirit of the swaps. Specifics not even needed. The warm, fuzzy feeling of preparing something for someone I love and the giddy kid feeling from getting a package. I could list a lot. 
Remember when Beth made me a whole cheesecake? And Anna did this epic crafty package with so many coordinating and thoughtful things. Chalkboard luggage tags and a little necktie being the two things I remember most. I still use my dryer balls from Amelia. Your tissue pouch, Lindsay, was so cute. Oh, I forgot I made those. I did. I made little tissue pouches. Your tissue pouch was so cute and inspired me to make several of my own for teacher gifts. Naz gave me the silveriest scarf and the Tina Fey book, among other goodies. I could totally think of more, but those are the ones rising to the top this morning. And a heart. It is so true. That was really... Um, the spirit of the swap really was what made it so awesome. And that's why we've been able to continue it and go many, many iterations into the future. And we're now, like I said, we've been friends for 12 years and I see many delightful swaps in our future. So with that and with the sound of these sleigh bells to haunt you with the thought that Christmas is basically going to be here before we know it. I will say that if you made it all the way to the end of this, I love you. And Jesus does too. And I love my brother, Dustin, a whole, whole lot because he sent me a special text tonight just to tell me that he really loved my podcast. And it just made my whole day to find out that he listens to it. And we agreed that it would be an awesome idea for him to come on it sometime with me. So y'all have that to look forward to. I promise that I will not always be the only one talking into this microphone and that will be a good day. All right. Bye. Kevin McLeod, winner, winner.